Welcome to our podcast, A Place Called Porch. I'm your host, Megan Zamora, and I invite you to kick back, relax, and enjoy the friendship, history, and stories of the Porch Band of Creek Indians. Candace Fayard is the newest member of Tribal Council, a lifelong learner, and an advocate for cultural awareness. Listen in as she shares her experiences so far. Candace, thank you so much for joining us, and um, I appreciate you taking the time out to share some with us today. Thank you for the invite. I'm uh, glad to be here. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> um, so, first of all, a lot of people, when you first come into this community, they say, how do you connect to Port? Who's your people? Mm-hmm. So, let's start off there. Who's your people, Candace? Okay, I love it. I love it. Um, I have lived in Porch my entire life, except for a few college years. And my people go back to, I'm going to go back to my foundation of who I know, but Levi and Tracy McGee. And Levi is the oldest brother of the more well-known Calvin McGee. Tracy is the daughter of Chief Fred Walker and Lula Walker. So they, Levi and Tracy together had several children. And my mom came from that union. Her name is Velma McGee Crocker. So that's my people. Big family from down in Hogfork. Okay. And um, leaders on both sides. You you mentioned Fred Walker and you mentioned Mm -hmm. Calvin McGee. And Fred Walker, um, some people may not know, but he was kind of our first, like, unofficial Mm -hmm. um, leader here at Porch. So that's that's really interesting. I did Mm -hmm. not realize that about you. And I've probably read your bio a bazillion times and just never made the connection, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So you grew up here in the Porch community all your life, Mm -hmm. except for when you went off to college. Mm -hmm. And um, whenever you think back to those growing up years, what comes to mind for you? Oh, my goodness. Mm. Wonderful memories. Goodness gracious. You, You truly don't realize it at the time, but just had a wonderful childhood. And by that, I mean where where we lived in Hogfort. I, I had my granny and my granddaddy, my, my aunties, my uncles, and so many cousins. There was never, ever a dull moment. Never did I have to search for somebody to play with. In fact, the opposite for me, I'm sort of an introvert. Um, the opposite for me happened. I would say, um, okay, leave me alone. I gotta go read my book for a minute. <laughs> Well, I can definitely um, relate to that because, you know, I'm kind of an introvert myself. Um, so you enjoyed reading and... Yes, mm-hmm. my goodness. One of my memories is Mama and Aunt Judy both worked at the mill in town, Vanity Fair. But regardless, every Saturday, my mama would take me to the library where I could check out four books. And then we'd, I'd read those and go back the next Saturday get four more books. So I loved it. Yeah. But I loved playing too with all my cousins. We we had a grand old time when we'd get together. We we'd play church from sun up <laughs> till sundown. <laughs> and that was fun. And maybe it was good for us too to keep us on the straight and narrow. But we had lots of good times as growing there's just, up. There's just something about growing up around your family like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um and Great. like you said, you know, maybe you don't recognize the um, beauty of that at the time Mm -hmm. but then as you get older and you reflect on those times growing up you recognize just how precious yes how precious those memories are and Mm -hmm. and, um, 
it really makes you into who you are. Mm-hmm. It really, it really, those are, I mean, people say those are your most formative years, those young years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, I can look back certainly on myself and, um, recognize that having that strong connection to my family, there are things I do like my grandma would sing around the house. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm older, like I find my dad makes fun of me. My and this is on his side of the family. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm talking to him on the phone, got him on speaker phone and he's like, You're cleaning those dishes around like you granny Mildred. <laughs> so Yeah, you pick up on things, you, you know. Absolutely. Um, Mm-hmm. I know you're you're a well-educated woman, mm-hmm. and um, you know you. I'm sure you've heard the nature versus nurture, mm-hmm. and I think it's a little bit of both. I do too. Yeah, absolutely. The mm-hmm. older I get, the more I see that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so you do have several degrees, mm-hmm. and like I said, you are very well-educated. And um, so, tell us a little bit about your educational background and experience. Okay. Um, well, straight out of high school, I went to just local community college and got an associate's degree. So that's just a general basic. In my mind, sometimes I would say it's grades 13 and 14. Um, from there, I went to the University of West Florida in Pensacola. And my dream job was to be a business education teacher. Okay. Our general attorney, general counsel. Lori Stinson's mom, Miss Madison, was my favorite teacher in high school. And when I grew up, I wanted to be her. Okay. So that, that's the degree I got from West Florida was to become a business teacher education. Finished that in early 90s. The job market at that time for teachers in general did not look that good. And I wasn't willing to move away from home. Uh-huh. Um, so I just... Looked for a job around here, and guess what? I got one at the tribe. Uh Early 90s, started working in accounting for the tribe. So later in life, I am much later in life. After I got married and had kids and all that, I went back to school after my kids were pretty well grown. They were teenagers. And I got a master's in management. MSM, Masters of Science and Management, mm-hmm. because it's pretty broad in general and it can be used in all industries throughout. Well, then this next time I went to school and I didn't finish it, I regret that I didn't finish it, but I had some health issues that got in my way. I'm not giving up yet, um, but a Masters of Legal Studies in Indigenous Peoples Law. Mm-hmm. I was doing that online through the University of Oklahoma. And I've just got a couple more classes to okay. get behind me. But, oh, boy, once I open that door, uh-huh. yeah, that's where my heart definitely is in the, in the passion. And it, it's just a great program. Uh-huh. The um, really interesting professors. I've yeah. heard of a couple of other tribal members mm-hmm. doing that program as well. Okay. Um, and it does sound very it, interesting. Oh, my gosh. I loved every minute of it. There was one class that stumped me pretty hard, but... Struggled through it, made it through it, and I just got to get it in my head to go back and finish. Mm-hmm. So you said that you um, went back to school a little later in life. Mm-hmm. So what um, what motivated you to go back to school at that point in life? Because I feel like a lot of people would say, you know, um, 
married. My kids are mostly grown. Like mm-hmm. now is the time for me just to kick them on up out the nest <laughs> and maybe go to some ball games mm-hmm. and, you know, live life and then just kind of ease on into retirement or ease on here, mm-hmm. ease on there, you know, and just kind of take it easy, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, so, but you chose a different path. Yeah. And I think that's very compelling. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested as to what motivated you at that point in your life mm-hmm. to go back to school. I have, in all honesty, I have something in me that I just cannot put the fire out. I can't. Um, and I've tried. But I think I just have so much more to give back to human in general. Mm-hmm. I just, I have a passion for helping others. And I won't I did choose to go back to school so that I could be better positioned in the job market so mm-hmm. that maybe I could get a job or qualify for a job that would allow me the opportunities to give back more, to contribute more. And along with doing some volunteer work, I hadn't done a whole lot. I'm not pinning roses on myself or anything, but along with some volunteer work sure. along the way, I just, I know that I am capable of doing so much more mm-hmm. than what I am doing even today. Yeah. I just, I got more to give. Sure. <laughs> um, so you started off working with a tribe. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. How did your career evolve over time? Good question. Thank you. Um, when I started with the tribe, I was a an accounts receivable bookkeeper for tribal government. Okay. Buddy, it's come a long way. Back, <laughs> back then, it was me and Angela. Angela works here, too, in accounting still. But she did accounts payable, and I did accounts receivable, or maybe vice versa. Me and her and Glenda handled mm-hmm. that accounting department. Glenda Black. Um, Glenda Carlton. 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 Yes, Glenda Carlton. Carlton. Yeah. And so um, from that position, later on, I was in that position probably about two years. And then Mr. Buford Rowland was looking for an administrative assistant, and I applied for that and got that job. And that is another um, field. The health department just really grabbed me, too. Mm -hmm. And I feel like just from being there with Buford, Mm -hmm. I learned so much. I got to meet so many people that that he networked with. Um, I got to learn from his point of view, how the budgets worked. And, and back then, we didn't have money coming in from gaming. Mm-hmm. So we we depended on our government money. Um, I got a good foundation for for the workings administratively for the health department. Um, I worked with Buford a few years, and from there, he allowed me the opportunity to see if I, I wanted it, see if I liked it environmental health specialist. Okay. I loved it. I loved it. In that job, I I was just thrilled with it because we had a program. I said environmental health, and that is part of the job. The other half of it was funded from Indian Health Service, and it focused on injury prevention. Okay. And I loved doing injury prevention. Um, and back then, we had a program where we did baby safety and we gave out car seats Uh and, you know, install those properly. I did smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors, and it could be as big of a program as you want it to be or as inactive as you wanted it to be. So it was, um, I loved it. I had things going all the time, like Mm -hmm. little bicycle rodeos, tricycle rodeos. I worked with all the schools locally, just Mm -hmm. in Escambia County. 
Um, so I really liked that job. The environmental part of it came with a responsibility to do water samples for testing for bacteria, that type of thing. I didn't do it, but I would take it to Mobile and have it tested. And one of my big events every year was powwow. I was that nerdy person going around to all the food vendors and making sure you wear your hair nets and make sure you sanitize your hands and the food is at the right temperature. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I love that job. But I had that job until we moved away up to Auburn. Oh, okay. Auburn and Opelika. And um, I went to school while I was up there, okay. too. I went to Southern Union Community uh-huh. College and got a certificate for medical terminology. No. We're, we're the doctor transcription. Thank yes. you. I mm-hmm. couldn't remember that word. But yeah, um, while we lived up there, I worked with Social Security as a claims representative for SSI. And, okay. And that's the program for that was created for people who have not worked and paid into the system. Uh-huh. So it's it's um, different than just regular disability. Gotcha. So, but that was a good experience too. We stayed away six years. Came back home because I missed my mama so much. <laughs> I'm sure she oh missed my you too. God. So we came back home and I worked at Social Security in Mobile for a while, just commuted until something came up with the tribe and I applied and I went back to the health department as administrator. Mm-hmm. And from there, health administrator, I'm, I stayed there six years and then I moved over to enrollment. For six months and I promise I'm not job hopping <laughs> I was just trying to find where I needed to be and then I went back to the health department this time as a compliance officer so and, and that was not really my favorite thing because it's a lot of rules and regulations but I am appreciative of what I learned in that position sure and from there I hope Ms. White listens to this. <laughs> I went from there to working in the regulatory division with Ms. Carolyn White. Mm-hmm. And she has, she probably doesn't even know it, but she has influenced me so much as far as let's get to the facts. Let's break it down. Take your feelings out of it. Mm-hmm. Let's look at what we have here. I just, I really learned a lot from her mm-hmm. um, in the regulatory compliance world is not a lot of fun (laughs) it's not a lot of interaction with other people but i did get to learn a lot well and you know regulatory compliance um at first glance Mm -hmm. it's kind of dry it's kind of dry material Mm -hmm. unless that is just really your thing Mm -hmm. and um miss carolyn watt i think is one of those individuals like she anybody that i have um heard talk about Miss Carolyn, they're like, she is a stickler for the rules mm-hmm. and she's going to stick to them and mm-hmm. she's going to abide by them. And you need people like you that. You do. You definitely um, it's, do. It's very important to have that uh, position and that um, that functionality, mm-hmm. especially within the tribe where mm-hmm. there's a lot of rules and a lot of regulations mm-hmm. and compliance is certainly something that you know, we have to abide by and we have to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that is not your thing, mm-hmm. I could see how it could be a little dry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. offense, Miss Carolyn, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate all I learned. <laughs> it wasn't my passion. <laughs> but, you know, I think that what I'm hearing is 
sometimes you don't always know exactly what your passion is going to be until you get a chance to try it out. I agree. Yes, totally agree with your observation. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes you think, oh, I think I might have a knack for this, or I feel like I have these gifts or um, these tendencies, or I feel like I could make this contribution. Mm-hmm. And then when you get into it, sometimes it's not always what you thought it was going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have experienced that myself, mm-hmm. so I can certainly relate to what you're saying as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Candace, you are one of our newest, if not the newest, tribal council member. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell me what that experience has been like for you. Okay. Um, and I have to be honest. This is my perspective. This is my experience. Sure. So it's not what I'm about to say does not reflect on any of the other council members. This is just Candace. Um, excitedly, I got to join in 2020, right smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. That's right. So I know, I, I feel pretty sure that that made a, a difference in the way things might have normally gone for me. Certainly. Um, but when I joined in, I just, I am just overwhelmed. Um and pretty much still am. I'm figuring out things bit by bit. I, on the other side of it, I thought I knew so much. I thought I knew every. I didn't. I knew I didn't know everything. But I thought I've worked here so many years. I've got a grasp of what we do, why we exist, um, how things work and mm-hmm. go together. But then on the council side of it, it's a, an entirely different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I have often felt overwhelmed in thinking I'm going to drown. <laughs> <laughs> but um, all of the tribal council have assured me they're available. I can reach out to them anytime I need to and ask questions, even if I think the question is dumb. So believe me, I have done that. <laughs> Especially, I've I've asked Arthur a whole bunch of questions, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, everybody's been helpful, and a lot of it though, I'm, I have to just dig into it, do the best I can, because sometimes you, I don't know what questions to ask, sure, because I don't know what led up to this point. But anyway, I think it's a, a huge learning curve. I, I I think you're right about that, Candace. Everybody mm-hmm. that I've ever talked to on council. Mm-hmm. Um, or just in general, they've said that it usually takes one term just to sort of find your footing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there is so, there are so many different facets of the tribe. Mm-hmm. And it's not limited just to health or right. regulatory or public safety. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very far reaching and our footprint has certainly grown tremendously over the years, especially over the past, you know, 10 to 12 years. Mm -hmm. So I, in a lot of ways, I think that it's unfair to expect council members to know everything about everything. And as I have, um, you know, there have been many times I've built relationships over the years with, you know, many of our council members and, I've tried to help them feel comfortable in responding. I don't know, but I can find out. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> and that's totally, yes. 
a human thing. It you is. Can't, it's acceptable. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. And I think um, we have to, I think at one point in time in the tribe's history, there may have been some folks that would have scratched their head and said, why don't you know about this? Because it was on a much smaller scale. Right. Right. But now that we have grown and we have so many different programs and those policies and procedures are constantly being reevaluated mm-hmm. and updated and changed constantly. and then new mm-hmm. programs, mm-hmm. it's really difficult to mm-hmm. stay on top of all of that. Yeah. So I think um, for what it's worth as a new council member, it is okay to say, I'm not sure, and I don't want to give you wrong information, mm-hmm. but I will find that. That's right. I love it. I love it. <laughs> give me your contact information. I'll yes. get back with you. Yes, yes. Um, and that is a very good observation again, Megan. Um, but, you know, so what What do you think that you've learned in this? Well, really, you've, um, you've just now kind of breached that one-year mm-hmm. threshold of, of being a council member. So mm-hmm. what, what – and – in all fairness, Candace, this is this uh, 2020, 2021 has been such an anomaly. Yes. We've mm-hmm. never seen or experienced anything like this before. Mm-hmm. Um, but what have you learned during this time of being a council member? Well, in general, um, I have learned that every person on this tribal council has such a big heart, every one of us. I I think we would do just about anything for our people. That responsibility, that um, obligation, I don't know if that's the right word, but to do the best we can for the group as a whole. Um, So that's something I, I probably didn't allow myself to see before, but I see it now. It, it, there's a lot of love and passion and true concern for our people, and not just me, but the council wants to give good guidance, wants to think about the future, and let's make a way so this can keep going. Let's, you know, our legacy, mm-hmm. let's keep that going. So, on the broad scale, that's kind of what I personally have learned. Now, on a much smaller scale, uh, I have learned and continue to learn the almost the intricacies of getting stuff done or getting help to the people mm-hmm. there's um steps that you you have to follow and i'm saying you referring to myself there's steps that one has to follow there's there's policies in place there's guidelines and it serves us all better if we i want to say play by the rules you can really get something accomplished if you Follow what has already been laid out. There is a way to get the help that is needed from whichever tribal member happens to be in need. Mm -hmm. So I'm learning a lot about the system that's in place to get the help to the, to our people. Right. Um, Something else I've, I'm learning and it's, it's, it's a little, I can do it, but I'm taking my time with it or budgets Mm -hmm. (laughs) um it's never been one of my strong points not when they're so massive and so comprehensive and so you know i was used to doing the health department budget when it was just indian health service Mm -hmm. money huge difference it's nothing like that now um so i continue to learn 
about budgeting in general. And um, I think for the most part, that's what I've been learning. I was already familiar with the way we use Robert Rules of Orders, but I've had to brush up on that a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, so I, I think that's what I can say I'm learning. Well, you've learned a lot in a general. year. A year and uh, five <laughs> months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've learned a lot. Um, because I, one thing that um, I've heard a lot of council members say over the years is, well, I thought... I was going to be able to do this. And then I got in it and realized yes. <laughs> it's not that always. Me too. <laughs> I mean, I think um, yeah. at the end of the day, nobody has a magic wand in their back pocket. And if they do, I hope they'll share it with me. So And you have to, but I, but what you said is, is also very accurate. Um, just from sitting around the table with those council members and, you know, you'll hear the word on the street, oh, our council, they're just arguing and fighting all the time. I choose to perceive it as passion and concern. Mm-hmm. And whenever you have nine different individuals, you're mm-hmm. going to have nine different opinions. Absolutely. And uh, you're absolutely correct. Um, we may not always be buddy-buddy or chummy-chummy, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we're all family mm-hmm. somehow, some way. That's right. And we're all connected and we all have like such a strong concern and passion mm-hmm. for the tribe. Mm-hmm. And I think if you ask any tribal member, they're going to identify with that. Mm-hmm. And they have that expectation that our leaders at the top level are going to share that passion and concern. And I can agree with what you said and say that, you know, with 110% certainty, mm-hmm. Every one of our council members certainly share that passion yes. and that concern mm-hmm. for our people. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So, um, to you, what does it mean to be Creek? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Um, for me, I feel so unique, blessed, honored that my ancestry can trace back to what the colonists referred to as one of the mightiest of the five civilized tribes. Um, So being Creek for me just is such an honorable thing, knowing in my blood there's these Muscogee people who are warriors and had their own civilization and just... I don't know. I, I feel so humbled by it that I have that blood mm-hmm. in me. Um, so that's part of how I feel about being Creek. And then specifically Porch Creek. Um, again, I feel so proud because I'm part of, or my closer ancestors were part of the team that really pulled us together and got us organized and got us recognized. and just it blows my mind to see where we are today compared to how things were in my childhood Mm -hmm. we we didn't have anything Um, we struggled literally for heat in our home Mm -hmm. and being porch creek is is just so special just because i think of the community ties the family ties 
the we were all in the same boat together and and look at us now mm-hmm. not in a bragging kind of way but in a blessed way look at what we can do when we stand together mm-hmm. look at what we can do yeah so being creek oh and that just fires me up (laughs) so um as a council member and just generally as a tribal member um of the porch band of creek indians what contribution do you want to make or do you hope to make um and this is really more of a what legacy do you want to leave oh my goodness if i could do if i could be successful with one thing in particular it would be to provide more education in a way that's loving and not judgmental and not um, controversial, but I really want to decolonize. And, and it's, that's going to take some time, you know, um, but I, I just really would love to be able to talk about it and point out that, yes, we can still be Christians and we can still be indigenous, but let's open our minds a little bit to see. Let's try to be true to our ancestors mm-hmm. and not to so much the colonists, so to speak. I would love for that to be something, a place where I could make a difference. Sure. And for individuals that may not be familiar with that term colonization, okay. can you explain that a little bit more? Yes, I, I would love to. Thank you. Um, what I mean by that is prior to other people coming to our land, which is the United States or Turtle Island, just this whole continent, prior to that, our people lived here. They thrived here. Well, um, I don't mean to be offensive, but I'm going to say white man or colonist, when they came over, whether they came in from Mexico or Florida East Coast, wherever they came in, one of their missions, one of their missions was to get rich. I mean, that drives a lot, a lot of cultures. And they wanted to come in and take over. And guess what? Some of us, some of our ancestors said no. So hence there were fighting and whatnot. But as time goes on, I want to back up a little bit. Also, one of the missions for people to come to this land was to spread the gospel or whatever their belief happened to be. It could have been Catholicism or some other um, religious idea. So um, our people were spiritual. Our people were religious in their spirituality. But these white people came in and wanted to make sure we knew their way of life and have us to adapt to it, embrace it. And and we just did not do that at first. So as time rolls on, in order to survive and not just be totally killed off um, as a way of blending in with the world that was coming up around us, whether we wanted it or not, um, we became colonized. And by colonized, I mean, we may have started going to church instead of doing our dance around the fire as part of our spirituality or even doing green corn you know we may have started going to um, a baptist church down the road we some of us by force were made to look like the 
society at large by cutting hair and not being allowed to wear your traditional clothing, not being allowed to speak your language. Um, I think right here in Porch, and this is just me, not uh, no research or anything. This is just me in my mind. I think when our people, when our ancestors went on the removal, the Trail of Tears, the ones that were left here, may have seen that as the better way is just like, let's blend in, let's get the Indian stuff by. Don't let them see us be Indians. Let's try to be like they are. And in all that process, we became colonized. And I don't know if I explained it very well. No, I think so. I think it's an idea job. of yeah. it. It's just, you know, they, they, and I, I sound so prejudiced when I say that, and I, that's not what I mean. I just mean when the settlers came over, we eventually, throughout the years, we just had to do what we had to do to survive. Mm -hmm. But now I think it's time to let's get back to what our people believed, what our ancestry, what that, let's be true to us. Let's be true to our heritage and our ancestors. And maybe we can marry the two. Mm -hmm. I, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, so to phrase it a little differently, it's, it's claiming, and I would say not reclaiming because it's always been ours, That's right. but it's claiming our identity as Muscogee people. Yes, 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 yes. Well, thank you so much, Candace, mm -hmm. for um, that. I mean, you really, that was a wonderful explanation. Thank you. And um, I really appreciate your time. <laughs> Is there anything else that you would want to share with our audience before um, before we call it a, a day? Um, just some final words. Um, reach out to me. Um, anybody's welcome to give me a call and I I love what <laughs> I think you can tell from me talking I love to talk about history mm -hmm. but particularly our our history mm -hmm. with the Muscogee and the five the southeast I'm not that familiar with the western tribes like I am but I'd love to have conversations about it and um, I want to learn more there's still so much that I don't know but I'm working on it I'm I will never quit learning as long as I can. <laughs> you know, they say that um, every day is an opportunity to uh, to learn something new. And if you get to the point where you're not where you're not learning something new, you're probably six feet under. So. <laughs> well, thank you so yes, much for your thank time. Thank you for this opportunity. I genuinely wholehearted appreciate it. I yes. enjoyed it. Yes. So maybe too. you'll have me back. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right. We hope you enjoyed your time with us today. For more information about the Porch Band of Creek Indians, please visit our website, porchcreekindians.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, A Place Called Porch.